Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13-21-91. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. And unfortunately, my co-host Aaron, you find yourself currently in hospital. Talk us through it, big fella, because you've seen better days looking at you on uh, on Zoom this morning. They're actually telling me uh, that I'm actually going better than what I was when I come in, so that's not good news if I'm looking like that. But, uh, yeah, I am in hospital. Long story short, uh, heart's obviously coming to an end faster than I wanted. Uh, so basically being put in for a, to stabilise that heart, stabilise this heart, and then why I'm in here is a transplant assessment too to make sure I'm a safe candidate to receive a, a heart transplant. And it's not like getting a blood test and – getting a knee reconstruction, unfortunately. It's a hell of a lot of stuff and basically all week she's been hammer and tong for me. So, um, yeah, lots of tests, lots of everything and, yeah, find myself here sitting, talk, somehow talking to you. So for those that look on different people's driver's licence and you, and you can see it as organ donor, those that, that don't or perhaps are, are unsure about it all, you've been the face of uh, – organ donor uh, this year. Yep. Talk us through why it is so important. Now, it would seem that is very much apparent, but there's still plenty of people that don't sign up to be an organ donor, yet if you do, once you're gone, there's there's nothing you can do about that, but you can save someone else's life and or change their lives. It's uh, pretty selfish of me now to become a, the, the ambassador right when I need a heart, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I promise you I signed up before I knew Before. And I won't lie, since I had my heart, every year I've been pushing organ donation. So I do need a heart, but it's, uh, <laughs> I definitely, no, I've definitely all been a massive, uh, massive advocate of this, uh, I guess, foundation and uh, Donate Life is what it's known to be called. And basically... It just, I talk to you right now and I don't even know, you signed up for an organ donor? Because it, no, I am. I bet 90% of the people you speak to probably wouldn't be. And and I when I say 90, I actually think it's more than that. I think it's like 2% of people that actually are. So it's not, it's not much. And I think I, it depends. Sometimes it's on sort of what you've experienced through your life. Like the reason I'm an organ donor, yep. because my mum's brother, my yep. uncle, he... Yep. In 1996, he was in a car accident and and died, but he was um, an organ donor. Well, sorry, no, he wasn't an organ donor, but my grandma decided that she would donate Tim's 
I think it was I think it was lungs, heart, eyes, kidneys, and and still to this day, like it's obviously different for different people, but grandma will receive letters from these people that received um these organs and save their lives, change their lives. So, so that's why I am, because I've experienced it. Can I just pull you up there on what, what, where you said there is when you were, went back to referring to your, your grandmother having to – he wasn't an organ donor, but your grandma wished to go along with that, which is absolutely fantastic, and it can happen on the day if that's the way you want it to go. But the way that I look at it is – that is a traumatic time for a family. You know, and the thing is, the person has to be on ICU on life support. So it's yep. not like anywhere else. It has to be in life support. It's the worst place in the world that you could find yourself in ICU with a family member. By you, if you wish to do it as a person in your own self and your own rights, save your family or the heartache of that conversation. That making is, that decision. It's just making that decision. Because I go, oh, I don't know. Did he want to do that? Would he want to do that? If you want, if you don't wish to do it, that's fine. That, that's not an issue. I, I respect your wishes, but it, uh, make it easier for your family. In all honesty, if you sign up the Donate Life website, just everyone knows how to use a phone and Google these days. Type it in. It's under one minute to register. It is honestly under a minute. Not a word of a lie. So, if I can do it in under a minute, then you so can you. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's you don't want my organs anyway; they don't work. But <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, it, it, it's something that we will wrap up talking about too much. But yes, I'm going to need a new heart. Uh, organ donation saves lives. I did a video during the week on social media that went near on viral, and I thank every person that's listening right now that signed up off the back of that video or shared it or did whatever they did. I, I appreciate it more than anything. So, long story short. I'm hopefully to get stable. I don't know. I might need to get the heart. Might go on the transplant list within the next next week. It could be if they stabilise the heart. I won't know till next week. It could be in six months' time. Yes, I'm sick, but I'll keep battling on and doing what I have to do and talking rubbish here every Saturday morning while I can. How do you go without getting too deep? How do you go mentally preparing yourself for such an unknown? The only thing that affects me is the kids, and I like yeah, that. Yeah. You just there's nothing else. Um, I'm pretty, you know me. I'm pretty strong mind. It is what it is. Like I just deal, deal with what you got to do, and you do what you got to do at the time. It doesn't matter. Uh, don't get me wrong. Excuse my French a little bit, but it shoots me to tears. That I got to get it. It, it. it does. It honestly does. It, it, it sucks, but I can't do anything about it. It's part of my life. It's just, it's just my life. It is what it is. Uh, but the only thing, like the kids, money, financially, I'm the, I make the money in the family as such. Uh, Kari looks after the kids. She does a great job. Uh, that's the way we've structured our life. Uh, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to have uh, obviously the radio gig, which I'm hopefully to continue with no worries. I might have a couple of weeks off here and there, but other than that, I'll be right through that. And then um, obviously the full-on salt guide, which is my main income. Uh, I'm very lucky that that's set up really well and got a great team to support me through the, the hard times. And mm. I still obviously get my work done before that for that. So mentally, it's just about financial for me. Uh, yeah. And kids. Other than that, good as gold. It, 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 most people will be stressing out, blah, blah, blah. I'm not stressing financially. I'm not stressing about the kids yet because there's nothing to stress about yet. When I'm told by the doctor to stress and go basically, look here, mate, you're in, you're, you're no good, that's when I'll go, right, it's time to worry. So until they tell me to worry, 
don't get me wrong, it's a pretty big operation, but I've done it before and I'll just do it again. So I'll make it sound simple, but I've got no choice, Pat. So yeah, yeah. I, I just got to do it. So I just got to do it. As simple as that. Now you have taken one for the team because you've been in hospital doing sweet bugger all. It has yeah. given you good opportunity to do a bit of research for uh, for our real adventures, which it, you're okay at most of the time, but every now and then I like to give you a little clip. Uh, Sydney Boat Show is one and done. Um, terrific to see. First time that we've genuinely had uh, boaties together looking at new products. Uh, it was really well received right throughout the industry. And it just felt like the, the industry itself finally took a breath and could actually enjoy a bit of what's to come for anglers right around the country. How did you see it? Yeah, I've yeah, been in hospital, so... I won't get me. Don't get me wrong. There hasn't been much time spare other than going to bed at night. But uh, I've been having a real good look at it. I followed a lot of people on social media. It looked fantastic. It was presented so well. Uh, I did read on a couple of articles that there was noticeable amount of boats that weren't there. Manufacturers. Yep. Uh, just to name a few: Haynes Wheatley, Haynes Signature, Cruise Craft. There are a few that weren't there, which are generally, I guess that boat that I, you take the family to, if that makes sense. It's one of those boats that sell really well. To, they're, they're, they're great boats. They're great ocean boats, family boats. They're, they're great. But It would be interesting to know if that, you know, if that is, a, is that off the back of we cannot fill orders, which we know. Yeah. Yeah, which we know that that currently exists. You know, all of the different manufacturers that, you know, I know we've had this discussion that they have found it really difficult to justify the show because it's like we can't. We can't service what we've got already. 100%. And I, I, I don't know the answers for that. Uh, but you know what I'm more interested to see? A lot of those boat manufacturers that I've mentioned are, are Melbourne-based as well. Yes. So are they going to hold off and try and use their what they do have as such spots for the Melbourne boat show, which is potentially going to be a lot cheaper and supported more because it's going to be an outside event and it's not going to be as financially, I guess, impacted as what it would be the cost to go to that Sydney boat show. But it was presented well. Uh, like, yeah, it was. It, I've heard nothing but positive things from every aspect of it. The outside, the different levels. I've heard the activity. Like everything was in the show. So I thought it was. Yeah, from what I've seen, fantastically done. One of the things that uh, caught your eye was the Sea Devil, a um, yeah. beautiful bloat on display. Five point two. Tell us a bit about it because that's the thing that we love about boat shows we see different and new models and you can actually spend the time and compare the pair because you can walk between stands and manufacturers how they set up and and, and compare the two what did you like about it everything uh, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful boat uh, there's not much not to like about it. it's a bit small for me that 5.2 and i've only got to see photos because that was the boat they had on display that i could find and uh brilliantly built boat and I haven't seen one in person Pat I've known a lot about them read a lot about them and would love to actually go for a ride in one of them at one time because they do have a great reputation more of that sort of straight line really fast sort of boat yes uh, yep. and fishes relatively well too so yeah beautiful boat look presented really well with the color a nice sort of yellow color uh, I guess already probably call it a canary I guess that sort of color and yeah it was just really as from photo aspect of it it was a beautifully set out boat Let's have a bit of uh, a little bit of news from around the country. The whale rescue during the week, Redmond, uh, a lost baby abandoned by its mother, uh, baby hunkback, sick for a couple of days, had to be euthanized on the beach. It'll be interesting to see whether there's any shark sightings around that region, which is something that we've we've typically seen. Oh, um, did you know that a baby whale, like the reason that it's died, they reckon the mum abandoned it, is it had to it has to consume three hundred liters of milk a day off its mother. 
300 litres. A bit of David Attenborough action from you this morning. It was pretty neat. It was on Channel 7 News, so I'll give them the credit there. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, 300 litres of milk. Here I am on a restricted fluid diet of one litre a day. How would I go in all this? We're getting sort of mixed reports out of the US at the moment around the one, Ford 150 Lightning struggling during tow tests. These are third-party um, tow tests. Uh, and not even making 100 miles. Yeah, so that's towing, an interesting watch for us, Redmond. Yeah, towing a standard caravan as well. So it was just your standard sort of caravan. So well, I can't remember the exact way to it, but it was, um, yeah, stand, they said that the article stated standard caravan. And, yeah, that is pretty scary, 100 miles. So let's just double it roughly. I've got no idea, but say 200 kilometres roughly, give or take, in the uh, Australian language. And uh, that's not far. No, no. So that, uh, that will – have always been the big question mark from from boaters and outdoor enthusiasts around is this going to suit the boating yeah. market and if it's oh, unable to tow well that's you know that's something that's going to be needed to change whether it's changing the battery setup changing the you know the sheer volume so you can accommodate at least you need to go at least 300 miles or 500 k's i think yeah oh, i think so especially a truck that size like they, they obviously hold large amounts of fuel they're designed to tow they're designed to pull it to get to get you where that with ease not not the worry of fueling up every two three hundred kilometers i guess you could say so they're absolutely built, they're built they're built for for that purpose and um yeah you know i mean electric cars patrick it's a we haven't I, uh, my heart goes better than electric uh, electric uh, electric car, in my opinion. <laughs> now, there's been outrage as uh, local councils look to stop kids from fishing in local parks, and VR Fish got on the front foot on this Red uh, Redmond and said that they are outraged by uh, the Department of Environment, Land, Water, and Planning, which is set to ban kids and families from recreational fishing in metropolitan lakes and rivers how are you going to see this surely this is something when you know we we pay our dollars to to vic fish we need them to really go in for bat particularly those people that aren't able to get out of the uh, the the cities uh and fish you know local waterways outside of you know what is metropolitan melbourne it seems like it's ridiculous to me especially with the amount of effort that's gone into the stocking of certain places too pat uh, I think that's a big impact. Like Albert Park's a massive one. We've been referring back to that as a place for school holidays for kids get to to catch fish that have been stocked. But also and places- And Albert Park, right, like it is so well stocked, you mightn't think it's a great place to fish. It's a phenomenal place to fish. Oh, 100%. And that's the effort that Vic Fisher got on. So I can see why they're a bit peed off about this. And then places that are more of your natural aspect of it, so more like your Worrieville River, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, that's where you take the kids fishing. Like, Darwin yeah. is my one. Like, that's where, like, I like you, you, you haven't got a boat and you want to get, do something on Saturday or Sunday with the young ones, take the kids down there. Like, I think it's pathetic. I, I, more kids fishing and off the iPads is, uh, even though that I'm throwing the iPad in front of the kid lately a hell of a lot because I can't be bothered doing anything, it's, uh, I think it's a great thing to go to, uh, the fishing side of it, and uh, that's really disappointing to read, and I can't see that going ahead. No, well, VR Fish is encouraging everyone, essentially, uh, to let the Premier know about how out of touch uh, his environmental, uh, environment minister, Lily D'Ambrosi, is in regards to community values um, 
and they've called it a blatant attack on recreational fishing. So this is on their their Facebook page. So they have been really forthright about this, which is great to see. And they're encouraging everyone to uh, to e- email Premier Dan Andrews and the Minister for Fishing and Boating, uh, Sonia Kilkenny, to inform them the kids, families in metropolitan parks, lakes and regions benefit so much from the activity they engage in around that. So hopefully we see that um, go absolutely nowhere, but we need people, power, Redman, to join in that conversation. 100%. You know, email, message your local members and, and make sure it doesn't go through. We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. After the break, we'll find out what's biting around the country. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Uh, it's time to find out what's part abiding in your part of the country. Thanks to Jayco Sydney, your next great escape. Let the adventure begin with Jayco Sydney. Redmond, what do you have for us? I think we'll kick off in New South Wales. The Yellowfin, they're on fire at the moment. Yeah, and they're putting on an absolute show for the anglers that can get out there. JB, Batemans, they're being the hot areas. And I'm talking these things are launching out of the water, Pat. Like, I'm like beyond a joke how high they're jumping. Meters out of the water and just some of the footage that I've been seeing is borderline incredible. David Attenborough sort of stuff, like you said earlier in the show. And stick baits have been by far the best method. They're getting them on lures here and there, but the, the old stick baits, you just can't beat them. With these fish, they, they're working. And big stick baits too. Some of the ones I've seen are like 10, 12, you know, real big suckers. So make sure you're equipped with a couple of options, but don't be afraid to have something on the bigger side for these fish. We spoke last week around uh, navigating around whales, and there are a stack of humpback whales at the moment uh, in around the Botany Bay region. They're putting on a show. They're wonderful if you're if you, they're looking to take the kids out and have a bit of a look. You've got to obviously keep your, your safe distance, but it is incredible to see uh, those whales up close. And we're seeing those right through all the social media reports of late. Uh, fishing in the kayak and from port hacking has been quite good, Redmond. Soft plastics for Trevally and Brim have been really quite um, popular. The grub style plastics have been the most successful. Uh, cranker baits have been good too. The hard body cranker baits. They're, they're like a hard body sort of uh, imitation of a crab and they've been working like dynamite on the brim. So uh, don't don't forget to take them also with some grub style plastics as well. Heading further north, Queensland, uh, Hot Reels Pro Fishing Charters from Harvey Bay. They've been into all sorts of species, Redmond, this week, uh, landing most fish on micro jigs. Uh, there's been coral trout caught, red emperor and trevally species or various different species. Uh, and the tailor are still in really, you know, decent numbers, Redmond. Uh, and for those land-based anglers around Tweed, uh, casting metals into the surf has worked really quite well as well. Uh, Tasmania, the Derwent Redmond, let's talk about that. Yeah, some what they like to call trophy trout, Pat. I don't know. You might be able to give me the actual where, I guess, measurement or size. What does it, what classifies as a trophy trout? Because the Derwent is on fire on hard body lures right now. Low light periods. But what classifies as a trophy trout? Is it the buck look or is it the size of a fish? Well, I'm saying 10 pound or above. 10 pound. Like you say, you say 10 pound. As soon as we hit double figures in trout, that's like your, that's your your 100 kilo southern bluefin tuna, does I it, think. Does it vary where the fish comes out of as such? Like as in, yeah, it does. Well, you're never going to get a fish like that in the Otways, for example, yeah. Yeah. but you will get that sort of fish 
in Tassie. We almost expect it down there. Yeah. Um, and the same for New Zealand. But, yeah, as we said, the, the, the Derwent just firing. Uh, while we're on the uh, the trout front, behind the bridge in the Tamar, that very common bridge just runs over the Tamar there, the plastics have been dynamite once again, low light on the trout. Not as big as the Derwent, but plenty of good numbers holding that area feeding. So there's obviously some sort of what – I guess bug or something holding on the water in that area, which are attracting the trout in those low light periods. And Port Sorrel is loaded with Australian salmon right now, Pat. They are all over the beaches right down there. So get up high, see if you can see a school. If not, find a gutter and get your medals casting into the surf right through that area and you'll be able to pick up a salmon or two, I reckon that's for sure. Uh, South Australia, speaking of salmon, the beaches are fishing really quite well at the Redmond. Yeah, they are out from Port Lincoln. They're doing their thing too. So... Once again, you can you can set up with the pilchard style bait with a surf popper as well. Uh, if you're a bit of a lazy fisherman like me, or if you want to be like Patrick walking up and down the beach looking for those gutters, once again, just a standard laser lure casting into the surf, you'll have no worries. Getting some salmon as well from Port Lincoln. Big, big reports of them, so it's a great thing to see. Point Turton, massive King George Whiting. 50 centimetres is a small fish at the moment out of there, Pat. It's uh, some seriously big fish, so... That whole area holds big fish. It's just depending on the seasons, on the, I guess, when you're going to get more consistency. In those winter months, as the reports keep coming, it seems to be more consistent. So right now, this time of the year, if you want to get your PB whiting, now's the time to head down there and squid has been the best bait. We had a random one as well, Redmond, that an oceanic puffer fish washed up at Henley Beach. Now, there's, yeah. throughout my time spending Adelaide, there's been some random things wash up on the beach every now and then. There was marlin washed up maybe five or six years ago, and this is a, this is a different catch in itself. It is. An oceanic puffer fish, which obviously oceanic tends to be quite found out in the ocean in the tends to be deeper waters. So uh, you this year the, the swordfish guys that have been chasing the swordfish have had a serious drama with oceanic puffer fish biting off their rigs. Uh, speaking to Lee Rayner, I fished with him the other week, he reckons one day costing – nearly a thousand bucks in a day just from these because <laughs> they by the time you pay for your lights your line yes if your line gets bit off halfway up you've got to re-spool the whole bloody thing so you can't just top it up so because it's bright and you don't want a weak point in the line so it's very expensive and they're the ones that have been doing it so good to see actually what they look in per like in person i guess or not in person on in a photo as such rather than being uh, a, a bit of a guessing game but yeah it's a uh, oceanic puffer and South Australia doing what South Australia does. A couple of weird things. Beautiful work, Redmond. That wraps up. Uh, well, we call it the whip round, but it's all thanks to Jayco Sydney. Let the adventure begin. Jayco Sydney helping you on your next great escape. That's what's biting right around the country. It's time for the Social Club, Redmond, where we take your questions from social media each and every week. If you want to join in the conversation, then make sure you hit us up on our Real Adventures socials, or better yet, you can download our Real Adventures app from wherever you download your apps. Now, this one is for you, Red. Uh, I know you've mentioned it before on the show, but what size leader are you dropping baits down with for barrel bluefin, Michael? Now, we've had a few questions around this, Redmond, because it does stem from how natural does that bait need to look as you drop it down. And if you go too heavy with the leader, does that disrupt that natural flow and look of the fish? What do you do? Straight away, I have a rod already rigged up, ready to go. So I don't run swivels or anything. I run a wind-on, fluorocarbon wind-on with, uh, I guess, as much – how do I explain? 
like as much line as possible left on that wine on. So you don't want to like use it five times where you cut it down because you want to be able to still handle that fish when it gets to the boat and have a nice long leader. But I have it ready to go with different two rods diff, with different weights. I run a 120 fluorocarbon or a 130, depending what I can is available at the time. Yep. And then on the other one, I either run a 150 or a 200. If I know it's going to be rough that day and no one's going to be out, I'll roll with 200 pack because it, rough water, the fish aren't thinking, they're in their frenzy, there's white caps, there's water going everywhere, and the fish are just feeding. Where on the days when Lee Rayner and I were out, when we had boat traffic, we dropped down to 120 yep. and we got that bite when a lot of other people didn't. So so if, so if you're really struggling and it's been a really tough day, is it is it lowering the leader to try and coax the fish for it to look as natural as possible? There's is that your ways, thinking? There's two ways I like to think of it is, yeah, you are right, absolutely spot on with what you just said, but I would rather get the bite and have a chance of catching the fish than not hook a fish all day. So sometimes if you're dropping 150 down, 150 down, 150 down, you just can't get that bite. But if you try that 120, it might be that thing that changes the, your day, especially on a calmer, nicer day when there's boat traffic around, when fish are, aren't coming up as easy. But on those rougher days, 200, some, like I know the charter boats down there, they're using 300. So yeah. it, it, some days it does not matter. That's when fishing's easy. So days when it's not easy, and they're the days that you need a trial and error with things like keeping swivels off, making sure you've got a nice long wind on still or a nice long leader if you're running braid, use your fluorocarbon, get a nice FG knot, make sure it runs smooth, but different things like that just will get the bite. It might take you 46 casts or drops in the water or 156, but it's better than doing 158 and not getting any when your mate next to you is still using 200 and still doesn't catch anything. Great question, Michael. Uh, boys, your thoughts on a dual battery system, one for house, one for engine? Yeah, he just, he just yep. yeah, the question's pretty much been answered. Uh, I, I think even tinnies and uh, small vessels should have a dual battery system. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I was going to ask you, we've seen a few uh, – how do I – a few reports, very few, around lithium batteries overheating and catching fire. For the amount that there are on the amount of boats that there are in the country, I still have absolutely no issue and have had no issue with upgrading my batteries to lithium batteries. They're lighter. They pack more of a punch. They don't degrade. Your thoughts? Because we, you know, John Cahill from Ebtide Tackle, he had a big issue with one of his batteries that did catch fire and melted. He's lucky not to lose the boat. Does it cross your mind? Or are you happy to back in the technology? Uh, you're a technology sort of guy. I'm a 50-50. Uh, I think they work. I think they're great. I think they lower the weight of a lot of things and help things work, especially vessels like your Stabycraft, for instance. Uh, I think that's a prime example with your electric motor rather than having 69 batteries up the front. You can have much smaller batteries that – do the same thing and don't, I guess, affect the purpose of the boat. Yeah, so I, think, I think there's a purpose for them. Uh, where I would sit, it would have to be depending on the situation that I guess, I guess that we just discussed just then with regarding your stabycraft. Is it worth spending money on a Stella, for example, whiting fishing? Well, no. I think that sort of that's, that answers itself. Like anything that's small, I think you could question it. But yeah. the one caveat, though, I would say. Redmond is if you are going to fish for trout, 
I'd, I'd be tempted. I've got a thousand Stella, Why? and they're they're eight hundred bucks because Why? I I want that as soon as that lure hits the surface of the water, bang! I want to be retrieving it, and the mechanisms on the Stella that they are far superior to, and the Stratics are a great reel. So let, let's go down a, a notch, even the Twin Power. Um, they're a great reel, but they don't. I don't think. I don't think they carry the bags of a Stella. If you want. Just something that is so crisp to use. Yeah, as someone, for example, someone that fishes quite hard, for me, I have good gear when the good gear requirement requires, I guess, uh, when, when the weight of the fish as such becomes an aspect of long periods of time on fighting a fish. That's You're talking way- topwater marlin, topwater yeah, even just school bluefin tuna. So, like, I, I was running 6,000 stratics on my school bluefin tuna, and they caught a heap. And they, for an average punter, they probably would have done all right. Like, it would have been no worries. But by the end of my season, those reels were nearly burnt out, where I've run the Stella now, and it hasn't been burnt out. And the, so what I, I hope that explains it for you. So a snapper as such, I run 5,000, 6,000 stratics. Yeah, but a tuna, you need that lighter reel in that stellar range, like lighter reel on that rod to be able to get your cast. That's the whole purpose of it. Thirty pound, that's the whole reason you have it to get the bites on those running lighter lines. That's the whole purpose. But the weight of the drag pressure that comes through the rod and the reel and then into the reel, obviously, uh, that's when that's when I believe that you need to up your gear, your antes, into using things like stellars, so barrels. Even if you were to target, uh, I guess. I guess if you were to target snapper on one on a one thousand uh, uh, Stella a uh, reel, you'd probably choose the Stella. You probably wouldn't choose that in a cheaper range because that reel then can handle that weight purpose for a longer longevity. Je- uh, if that makes sense, what I'm trying to say. That does beautiful work. That wraps the social club. If you want to join in the conversation each and every week, you can send a direct message to our Facebook or Instagram, and we'll do our very best to get back to you. Plenty more real adventures after the break. All aboard for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go Collection. Just pack, stack and go. Earlier in the week, I caught up with Dave Mean from Mercury for All Aboard for Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. It's a cracking chat. We recap the Sydney boat show and some of the new tech that Mercury has. Take a listen. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Our special guest this morning is Dave Mean from Mercury. Good morning, Dave. G'day, Paddy. How are you? Going really well. Now, we are post-show now, the Sydney Boat Show. Tell us about you know, the first proper industry get-together in, in some time. I think it's been three years. How was it received and how did you go from a Mercury standpoint? Oh, geez, it was good to be back, Pat. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years, as you say. Uh, very strong presence by Mercury. I mean, there wasn't a a boat there without a Mercury, so it was really, really good. Um, we had a you know half a dozen dealers in there and many boat builders with Mercuries on the back. So weather was perfect, um, which was great. So couldn't ask for better weather. Um, yeah, so it was good. Uh, I think crowd numbers were down a little bit, um, which was a bit of a shame. The, the show was overall smaller than prior years because in our industry, everyone's still struggling to get boats um, with supply chain challenges. So it was a little bit smaller than what it normally would be. But, yeah, it's good to be back. It's funny. There's two really specific outboards I'm keen to talk about, and they are very much at either end of the boating spectrum. 
from the 600 horsepower behemoth to the Avatar, which is a electric outboard. Talk to us about the reception that both those two outboards have had because they've both been, well, particularly the 600, it was launched at a time when there just wasn't the ability, and I know your team was over in, I think it was Miami when it was first released, but there wasn't a, an ability to really show the masses in a physical sense at, at shows and that sort of thing because of what COVID has done. Yeah, no, it's and outside of Sanctuary Cove, in May, it's the first time we've really had the 600 in front of consumers and you just see the look on their face. They walk up to the stand and, you know, read their lips like, wow, um, yeah, what a great outboard. So, And we actually had it on the water. So we've got an 11-metre Gemini rib that we were doing demos on the hour every hour out of Sydney and, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, a lot of interest and actually um, as a result of the show, where that rib market, so the you know ten to twelve meter rib market, there's a fair bit of interest there in putting big horsepower on those things. So that's good for us. And um, yeah, just even people starting to think about multi-engine powers going for a single six hundred. So um, it's not a huge volume product for us, but certainly a, a halo product for us. It's, it's pretty cool. Clearly, you see that as being a potential growth market for Australia, given what we see in the United States and across Europe, the 10-metre-plus boats all with external power rather than in boards and you know, for a myriad of different reasons, there's so many benefits to it. How far are we away from seeing, seeing them sort of on the water far more occasionally than we do now, do you think? In terms of uh, big boats? In terms of the big boats, yeah. Because obviously the the restraints that we have around towability, most of the vehicles in Australia, we don't have you know, uh, the competition from Ram and F-150 like they do in the States where they're a lot cheaper. So you can tow these maxi-trailable boats. We're sort of yep. stuck around that seven and a half metre mark. But do you yep. see that being you know, challenging the the Riviera 30 to 40 footers of the world and that becoming more of an outboard market? Yeah, like, and and to, to be honest, there probably should have been a couple more V12 boats at the show, but they were delayed in transport. Like, I know Sea Ray's got um, some 40s and 42s due to hit in September and Valhalla is another pretty cool-looking boat. They've got those arriving, so... They're definitely coming, um, and you know, not to the extent that we'll see in the US, but certainly um, those big forty to forty-two foot boats—they're coming with outboards, and they'll be here in the next couple of months. And when are we going to see the Avatar sort of at most boat ramps? Because that's yeah, look, that was such a growth yeah, area. That, yeah, that, that's what really blew me away at Sydney because we didn't. We wanted to have a pre-production unit on display, couldn't get one in time, um, but we had like a video rolling and the amount of people that came up to me and said, oh, that's such a cool concept. I really want a Avatar electric portable outboard. Um, that sort of blew me away, the interest. So um, it's public knowledge. Um, Mercury has announced that we're going to launch five electric outboards in 2023. Um, you know, we hope to see the smallest portable one, I know, probably around April-ish next year. 
which is not far away. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, watch this space. It's, uh, we're going to really sort of ramp up the activity around that towards the end of this year, start of, start of next year. So um, we'll really be targeting, you know, the tender market, ship to the shore stuff, little inflates. Um, grey nomads um, that just want a, a small, small tiller handle electric outboard that um, they just charge up and go. One thing that um, that those in the market for new outboards will be able to get are the new 25 and 30 horsepower outboards. Talk to us before we let you go uh, around the all-new 500cc three-cylinder uh, outboards. Um, it's a bit of a game-changer simply because they are so much lighter than the previous generation. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it, was a, it was a segment that we really wanted to get the weight down and, and improve our competitiveness in, and uh, this certainly does it. So three things, it's physically smaller. Um, as you can see, it's lightweight depending on the model. It's sort of in the low 60 kilo range, which is really good for a 25 and 30 particularly really good in the 30 horsepower node um, and it's got that new mercury tiller handle which uh, you can adjust it left to right up and down and um, it's a bit longer so on tinnies you don't have to reach all the way back so um, yeah it's really popular um, we've got a lot of back orders for that product so we'll start to see them hitting over the next couple of months and um, yeah, I think um, that's going to be a really really good product for us. Perfect. I'll put my order in for that now if that's the case. Uh, Dave, thank you so much for your time uh, this morning on Real Adventures and talking through uh, what products we can look forward to over the next little while coming from Mercury. Dave, Mayan, thanks for your time. Good on you, Paddy. Thanks for that. That was All Aboard. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Red's tip for Anaconda. Anaconda just got a whole lot bigger. Don't miss their Adventure HQ grand opening celebration. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's tip. Uh, And this one, I'm laughing now. I do apologise. I was going to say it's close to your heart, but that's that's going to... (laughs) That's actually really good. Oh, no, I didn't. I, I, it's, I didn't. Heart. It's not even my heart. <laughs> I, I didn't mean that. Two or three one. Go then, Patrick. That was very good. <laughs> Talk about kicking a man when he's down. For those unaware, we're recording Real Adventures this morning uh, on, on Zoom over the internet. Aaron is in hospital waiting for... Um, for some test results, you've obviously it's it's been a bloody tough run for you, old boy. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'll leave the tip to you, you poor yeah. thing. We touched on it just at the start of the show, and I actually didn't write up in the script, so I actually thank you for bringing it up at the start of the show. But uh, yeah, just donate life if you don't mind. Just doing, I guess, me a small favour. <laughs> uh, <laughs> signing up to become, I guess, a, a, an organ donor, just to put it in perspective, is uh, it, you might think heart, liver, uh, heart, um, kidneys, liver, whatever it is, like the main organs. But there is so many parts of your body. Like, doesn't make, it could be a valve, it could be anything that could potentially save someone's hours' life. Now, I had an unfortunate incident at the end of last year, which affected my heart. We're not going to go into what it is. No, it wasn't my fault either. But I'm not going into what it was. So I had 14 years of my other heart with pure bliss. I lived a close to normal life, a bit hard for the first six months, I guess, recovering. But other than that, 
Actually, it wasn't. I played cricket five and a half weeks after my transplant. Uh, so I actually recovered fantastically and I got to live a, a night life. I've got a great family, blah, blah, blah. Now, it is a shocking, horrific circumstance to be in that donate life part when it comes to actually the person donating their organs. That whole aspect of it is I don't like talking about. But my theory, Ian, and you said at the start of the show, when your time's up, you're done. Uh, you can't go t- to the ground with them with your organs if you have the potential to save someone like myself that's got two kids and partner at home you could literally give me another shot at life and i'm just using me as an example because i'm i am going to need another heart at some point just depending on how long i've got left with this one it's not long but there's thousands of other people out there literally that are waiting that are a lot sicker than me right now that some people can't even get out of bed and they might not even make it to their heart transplant or their kidney they are literally going to die. So when your time's up, if you could please just spend 10 minutes of donating your organs like by just literally one minute's time signing, going on to Donate Life website, sign up, and you could honestly, you know, repeat myself a couple of times, but you could save so many lives, Pat. That was Red's tip. Don't miss Anaconda's Adventure HQ grand opening celebration. Beautiful work, Redman. Uh, time for the flying gaff now. We love our extreme sports on Real Adventures, and this is about as extreme as it gets. Did you see during the week, Redmond, that a paraglider has narrowly avoided death after his brake line became stuck during a descent to earth? Now, this was all captured on camera, and as a first-world experience, it's one of the most gut-wrenching things you could possibly ever see. And the man only manages to manually open up his rescue package that literally, we're talking 100 metres less before hitting Earth. That is as frightening a thing as you could possibly ever see or ever imagine. My my gaff is going to them. Like a few years ago, maybe even like when I was a kid, I wanted to skydive. Mate, I'm doing everything I can to stay alive. I ain't jumping out of a plane. Why are you <laughs> We're not made to jump out of planes in the first place. That's where the gas going. You can't – What? could you skydive? I, I don't think I could do it now. I'm – I'm trying to stay stay afloat here, Pat. <laughs> so I once got a voucher for a skydiving expedition, whatever you want to call it. It's still it's still in the cupboard. <laughs> we, yeah, no, it's, uh, I think we're designed to be. I even know that I travel sometimes 150 kilometres offshore in a six-minute boat to the middle of nowhere. I think that's nearly just as stupid sometimes. But, yeah, I'm not going to play jumping out of it anytime soon. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show this morning. Get well soon, Redmond. Uh, we'll be in studio next week. But uh, all the best wishes to you, mate. And uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Tyre Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit tyrepower.com.au now.